0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody, and let's get to pumping, cause it's 3:00 a.m. baby. Rip City is jumping now. Keep okay, brindle up the middle. Oh. 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 Come on,
1: everybody! All right, everybody, welcome to the 75th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage chilling. I had to uh, sort of clean up
0: my room because we have like a a pretty special guest right now. We got the team mom, so I didn't want I didn't want the background of my of the video to look super messy. I, I mean, it's still pretty messy, but it's not as bad as it normally is. So I feel good about myself.
2: It it looks pretty tidy back there. Thank you. We have
1: uh, Tara Biggs. You may know her as T C B Biggs on twitter she is the founder of the blazers what it is the woman's um hops and talk and she is going to uh be a guest as she has been in the past uh always here to drop some blazers knowledge uh tara thank you for joining us um on this tuesday night and please go into more detail what is the blazers what program for our listeners out there who are unfamiliar with it
2: Hey, thank you, first of all, so much for having me. It's always great to talk to you guys. I often uh, chat via Facebook with Sage during the games. We have a really great time talking about what's going on, so it's fun to talk to you both at the same time. Um, Yeah, my uh, podcast partner, Joe, and I started Women's Hops and Talks at the beginning of this season because we wanted to create a space for women who want to talk about basketball. A lot of our friends are women who love talking about basketball, but they tend to not want to go into it when there's like a big crowd of people so we thought hey let's just get us all together as friends and uh, watch blazer games together and talk about what's going on make it a an opportunity if for people who have questions who would like want to learn more about the game more about the rules more about strategy a time to ask those questions without like being embarrassed because you don't know everything because some people don't like to ask questions. I know I'm one of those people. Like I don't like to give away the fact that maybe I don't know something. So <laughs> we started this so everybody would be on the same page. Everybody's welcome, and um, we've we've done it once a month throughout this entire season. This is our first year. We've we've done it. It's been really fun, and we've got another one coming up uh, Wednesday to watch Game Two of the playoffs. And because we've had so much support from all the guys in our life and like guys like you guys who tweet about the event and share it for us we feel like super supported in this effort and so we're making the next event a friends and family event and so we're inviting all the guys who've also supported us in our love of basketball like you know enabling our habits (laughs) we're inviting everybody to come uh to watch the game with us on wednesday
1: where are you guys hosting that event tomorrow night
2: um we are at the McMinnemans on Broadway in Portland and we have the back room and they have a pull down big screen. And so we get to watch it projected on the big screen and we get l- really loud and rowdy and people poke their head in and want to know what the heck is going on. Uh, so, yeah, we are really looking forward to it. Hope you guys can make it or any of the uh, people who are listening. Everybody's invited.
1: Awesome. That sounds like a must see environment. And game one for all intended purposes for all the Blazer uh anybody involved in Rip City it was must see and i'm so proud of the way the team fought it was tied at 88 through 3 quarters portland did fall by 12 121 to 109 in game 1 on sunday afternoon in the bay but to be honest the game felt a lot closer than that and even without nurkic to be tied and withstand a few of those Swells and storms that the Warriors were throwing at us that showed a lot to me because that was my biggest concern as we finished up the regular season was we're going to make the playoffs, but are we going to be competitive? Is it going to be worth it? I was unsure, especially because of how the regular season matchups had played out between these two teams. and last year, even against the Clippers, those first two games weren't not they they weren't pretty. I mean, to be perfectly honest. So it was good to see the guys focused and locked. Um, They were dialed in. They played some tremendous defense. I mean, don't get it twisted. 121 points against any other team is terrible defense. This Warrior team really could score 140 a night. They are that loaded on offense, maybe the most explosive offensive team in, in modern NBA history. So for the Blazers to play that well gives me a lot of hope going into game two. Despite the fact that Yusuf Nurkic will not play, uh, Tara, what were your main takeaways from that game one um, in Oakland?
2: I felt really proud of how they came out there, and they didn't back down for a second. Um, it was very exciting, of course, to see uh, Damon CJ combine for seventy five. And by the way, I believe this is the seventy fifth uh, episode of your podcast, so I feel honored to be with two guys who put together seventy five points, just like you know Damon CJ did. So way to go! Um, but I really. Actually, to put the Blazers game in the context of all the games that I watched in the weekend, I, w- I walked away on Sunday night after having watched like 30 hours of basketball. <laughs>
0: it's it's <laughs> a good weekend, the... uh
2: Exactly. Thinking that the Blazers are like, I feel really good, positive about the future. You know, I I feel like with Damon CJ, with the addition of Nurk and with other young players developing, you know, we're we're seeing progress. We're very different. We're very different team than they were at the beginning of this season. And I just I felt really good. um, Despite the loss, I felt like, you know, and anyway, we need to let them get up three one before we can really, you know, drive at home. We, we, we gotta, gotta get them right where we want them.
1: Exactly.
0: I, I'm proud of you and I, because Tara talked for almost three and a half minutes, and you and I didn't in, interrupt her once. I feel very <laughs> proud of us for that, because I was tempted to, but I, I think it was the first, like, three-minute segment on Holy Backboard History where we didn't interrupt once.
2: <laughs> well, so I we will talk- stop, because I want to know what you guys have to say.
0: <laughs> I, I think we've improved immensely in our uh, patience.
1: <laughs> Well okay. Okay, what's well, up? What, what, so you predicted a closer game. I thought we would get wrecked in this one and play a more competitive game too. Um I was very happy to be wrong on this one. What did you see in that game one against Golden State? Um, areas for improvement, but what what did you really take away? If you're watching this game and you're writing down like, you know, a positive list of things that took place that you feel the Portland Trailblazers can translate over into game two and throughout the rest of the series. What did they do in game one?
0: I I loved watching CJ and Dame just go absolutely bonkers, bananas, any adjective. I'm running out of them. But what I didn't like saying was, it was CJ and Dame and 10 others for most of the game. I know uh, Mo Harkless played better in the third and fourth, but for that first half, it was essentially... Those two, so I would like to see our role players, Crab, Mo Harkless, Emidu, Evan Turner, just play better. We need them to step up when we're in the Bay Area because role players play better at home. But we need them on the road if we're trying to, you know, make this a series because we have to win a game in the Bay Area.
1: And, you know, Damon CJ, as Tara mentioned, did combine for 75 points. Uh, CJ had a playoff career-high 41, Dame chipped in 34. CJ's first half total of 27 tied a Blazer record uh, with some legends such as uh, Clyde and Terry. Um, They shot the ball 54 times combined. That's going to be Portland's key to success. They are our two best shooters. When they have it going, that's who should be shooting the basketball. However, like you mentioned, we do need the guys when they're open to make their shots. They're not going to get a ton of them, so they're not going to get a chance to get into a rhythm. But we saw last year when we struggled, it was guys like Harkless, it was guys like Aminu, even Alan Crabb. When they got open looks, they weren't hitting them. I mean, Mo Harkless played well. I don't think the the stat sheet is as kind to him as it actually looked on the court, but he can't be one of six from three, uh, especially after hitting 35% from the season, which was incredible. Um, you look at Aminu, We got absolutely nothing from him. I'm not even concerned about the 0 of 5 field goals. Three rebounds is not cutting it for our best defender. He needs to do a better job on the glass. Um, he had no assists and two turnovers. That that can't happen. And then you look at Alan Crabb, one of five. I know Damon CJ shot the ball 54 times, but he's got to be he's got to take probably a little bit more Mo shots. I don't know if I'm comfortable with Mo Harkless taking 13 shots and Allen Crab five. Uh, the way AC finished the season. He is that X factor for us without Nurkic. I mean, the the single season Blazer record holder for three point percentage has to get more looks, has to be more aggressive. So it's on all parties. I think it's on Stotts to get him open, but it's on Crab to, you know, kind of say, hey, I need to shoot the ball, too. I'm just as talented as you guys. And then I also want to see more Napier. I mean, he played 10 minutes, but he had a bucket. He looked confident. And surprisingly enough, I was pretty impressed. I know Pat Coniston only played four minutes, but he didn't look like he didn't belong out there. So I think that is just a step in the right direction for Pat Coniston. I mean, that and one to end the third. I was like, if that happens, maybe we might have a chance. But that that was the peak of our our luck um, on Sunday afternoon.
2: Wait, were you guys surprised that they played that he went to the bench?
1: I mean, I they went to
2: that deep in the
1: bench. Yeah, I he was went shocked. Ten, ten man rotation usually stops. Has been sticking with that nine man rotation, but I think with what we're seeing with Myers, he's not looking very confident out there. He he didn't play a bad game. He just didn't really play. It just defensively, he wasn't sh- uncertain. Um, when he was on offense, he didn't just look comfortable when the ball was passed to him. So he only got seven minutes. So that's going to open up time for you know Shabazz and Pat to to average fourteen minutes um combined. And you also factor in the Warriors; they're not a very big team, so they really only have Julia and McGee. So you can really go small and get away with it. So, I mean, I look for more of that from Stotts. If we're not getting what we need from Myers physically, because that's what he can provide, then yeah, let's let's go a little bit smaller and let's try to to run and gun with with these with these boys in the bay.
0: We'll get upset when the role players shoot, but in the offense that Stotts has, it's a disservice. If a role player doesn't take this open shot, it's a disservice for the team because they work so hard to get this person open. They have to shoot. Sometimes they don't hit. A lot of these players that we have aren't elite scorers. So the, the, there's a lot of variance in their shooting percentage. We need them to take as many, take those open shots. Don't be scared. This is where we really need these role players to step up in a big way.
1: And you'll see that in times when the coach will just yell at a guy for not shooting the basketball, it, whether it's Crab or Myers, even Aminu. It's like, you're open. We ran this play for you. Shoot the damn ball. Otherwise, you know, go to the bench because that's what you're in the game for. You're in the game to spread the floor and to make the defense pay for doubling Damon CJ. If you're not going to do it, somebody else off the bench will. They'll take your spot. Um, One player who I thought played a fantastic game and it, it's... Not stats-based at all, but almost defensively. I thought Noah Vonley was fantastic on the defense event. Um, Extremely active. The four assists really stands out to me. That's something that we haven't seen from Noah this year, but he's going to have to be a little bit of a playmaker if the teams are going to eye on Damon CJ. And again, he just gives this team a different look defensively than against the Warriors last year because of his ability to switch that pick and roll, to extend the perimeter defense, and guard really any player on the Warriors for an extended amount of time. Um, this series is great, great experience for Noah that hopefully he can carry into the next season. Um, Tara, what were your thoughts on Vonley's defense?
2: So, um, I have really enjoyed watching Noah develop and I think that once Nurkic came, he kind of amped up even, you know, like the the, the trajectory went up even faster once he was playing alongside Nurkic. I think he just learned a lot like sitting, standing next to him for those 20 games. I felt this particular game, at least for the first half, I thought he looked more nervous than and just unsure than he had over the end of the season. I felt like He was a little more, uh, he hesitated a little bit more. He wasn't quite as uh, sure, at least in the first half, on his uh, switches and on his rotations. But I thought he got a little more comfortable in the second half. And I fully expect that in the next game, he's going to be a lot more confident, but I just think his kind of youth and inexperience and the big time showed, at least in, in the first half of that. But I agree. I've really enjoyed watching him. I think one thing he's really improved on a lot is switching and he's always been a good communicator and he's always been the one that you see the most, like doing the pointing and doing the talking and being super clear with the other guys about where he's going to be. And I've seen that get even better, you know, throughout the year. So I'm really confident that he is going to have a defensive impact. I just thought it was slower to come this particular game. And I thought it might be because of just the inexperience in this, you know, type of situation. Wasn't this his first, uh,
1: playoff experience?
2: I don't know. Did he, did he play? He in the played playoffs like a total
1: of, it was like four or two minutes last year. So, so this, yeah, this, this was his first real yeah. taste of the
0: playoffs. I and got, this, I, this, I I get nervous when I used to play like Y ball and stuff when, when it was playoffs. (laughs) I got nervous for a playoff game. So I can't imagine how he felt being younger than me being nervous for a playoff game. That's insane. He had a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. So hopefully next or tomorrow he'll, he'll be able to play better, more, more relaxed.
2: Yeah, I think he will. And one of the things that I loved about this game is I love the gamesmanship leading up to the game. Like, will Nurkic play or won't Nurkic play? And then they said the lineup, and it was like, what? Who's starting? And, you know, and then suddenly he throws in Shabazz and Connaughton. And I loved the gamesmanship of, like, we're playing the team from the Bay Area. We have to throw everything at them. Because like game plans no longer really work against a team this good, so we have to do more than just show you know send our guys out there to play the fundamentals. We got to do some other stuff, and so I really enjoyed that whole aspect of not knowing who was going to play, and I thought that was fun. I
0: mean, well, we speaking got of gamesmanship, lose, we got nothing to lose. So a team with nothing to lose—that's the scariest thing in the world for a team like the Warriors. We got nothing, so let's throw Shabazz out there, see what he's got, Pat Connington. It's, I mean, we've got nothing to lose this game. Fuck it. Dude, throw the whole kitchen stink.
1: And what I love about that and the gamesmanship is the Blazers aren't backing down. Draymond Green is the NBA's bully. He's going to talk a lot of trash, and he's going to tell you about it after he makes a big play. But Damon CJ, they're going to go right back at him. And you can tell they are not afraid of this Warriors team. You can tell that they thrive for moments like this. The the old adage is to be the best, you have to beat the best. You can really tell the Blazers embody that and they fully believe in that. So I was happy to see them just go back and forth, jawing with them. That's what old school playoff basketball was to me growing up is seeing the trash talk. I don't want to see any hugs. I don't want to see any, you know, hand pounds. I want to see, you know, jawing back and forth. If you miss a dunk, I want to I want to hear about it. Um, you do need to do more calf raises, Draymond. <laughs> um, you know, Draymond blocked Damon CJ. He he should tell them about it. Those were two amazing blocks that he had. Uh, it just makes for a better playoff atmosphere. I mean, this is what playoff basketball is all about. This is what we wait, you know, eleven, twelve months out of the year for it to come around because it should feel different than the regular season, and it did on on sa- Sunday afternoon. To
2: um. To revisit what we were saying about Vonley, you know, I, I, how I thought he seemed like he looked a little nervous. To contrast that, I thought Dame and CJ looked super relaxed. Like, they've been here. They've done this before. They know what they're doing. And they had that veteran presence that, you know... I mean, we don't have many veterans. They are the veterans of the team, but they acted like it. They didn't act like young kids who were, you know, just, you know, wide-eyed. They acted like guys who'd been there, which, you know, they have. But it was nice to see them step up in that light. But I have a question for you guys. You were talking about Draymond Green, and I want to know who you guys think on – the Blazers is most likely that like Draymond Green or even um, you know Patrick Beverly you know who's that personality who will just get in there and bite your ankle and not let go who's the person on the Blazers who's closest to being able to be like that I mean
1: to me I think I don't know if it's in-game but definitely the player who has the most post-game swagger is Nurkic I mean we saw it after the game against the Nuggets, he told them to have a happy summer, I mean, he's always doing the Motumbo finger wags, um, he just gets so animated, and he is kind of our asshole, so that would be my, that would be my guess. Yeah, our, say, say it's-
0: our, our, our our big bear, it's Nurk. I mean, we don't really have any other jerks on the team, they're mostly, like, nice guys, so, Nurk's that dude that, I mean, I've seen him do countless shit-talky things, so he he's our guy, and we're kind of missing that element of our team with him out. I mean, besides his very good play.
1: Yeah, besides his seven-foot stature and amazing post moves.
2: <laughs> so I think Turner has some of that in him. I think that he can unleash some of that just being a pest. And just like, you know, because when you, when you watch, especially like when I was watching that uh, Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly plays in a way that you just think... Well, I could do that. I could just go be an asshole and drive some, you know, buddy crazy for an entire game, you know. And and Draymond has a little bit of that for his team, and I think the Turner might have a little bit of that in him, like because he doesn't care what people think. I think he could really get like up and under somebody's skin too. I would like to see him see how far he could go with that.
1: Yeah, and he definitely played extremely well. I think I thought, I thought he was easily our third best player, twelve and ten, and really under control, kept the ball. Um, very poised. Didn't make those crucial turnovers that we have seen him do over the regular season. And he does. He does have that weird personality. The players picked up on that um, really in that summer training camp when he um, was brought over from Boston. So I think the more com- uh, the more comfortable he gets in his role with his team um, as you know his tenure with the Blazers increases. I think we will see more of that because he he does have a little bit of um, I wouldn't say jerk. I Maybe mean, not jerk, but just like. An annoyance to him that you he just—he's gonna—he's gonna tell you about it when he when he scores on you. He's also got the little high-pitched voice, which I'm certain can rub people the wrong way, um, just get under their skin. And, and Myers did that, but it was really only against like the big bears of the NBA, the Cousins and the Gasols. But I think Myers has lost a little bit of that. I think uh, Myers did have that, but um, but yeah, I would go with Nurkic or Evan Turner. But speaking of. Draymond Green, I felt like he was the X factor for the Warriors. Uh, You look at Curry, he had, I thought, a quiet 29. And anytime you can hold him under 50% shooting from the field and under 50% from three, you're doing your job right. Uh, CJ, which we will talk about in a little bit, his defense on Klay Thompson was phenomenal. Uh, Just 6 of 16, 15 points for Klay Thompson. And Thompson has given Portland absolute fits, especially last year in the playoffs when Curry was hurt. Yes, Durant had 32 and 10, very efficient 60% shooting, but that's what KD does. It was the near triple-double of Draymond. The 19 points, the 12 boards, 9 assists, 5 blocks and 3 steals. Uh, he felt he he was a power forward version of Kawhi Leonard in that game. And I think those blocks, I know it only counts as stopping 2 points from the other team, but the way it fired up that crowd, the way it fired up his team, it really had more of an impact than that. And he was definitely the X factor and he is, he's the engine. I mean, he is the um, engineer. Excuse me. He is going to run that ship. He is the ringleader. He get, he is the straw that stirs their drink and we have to find a way to keep him quiet. Whether it's scoring, he was six of 10. You cannot let him go six of 10 and get 19 points or holding him off of the glass or limiting his touches. So where you can, his assist diminish, you cannot let him have a triple double type of night because they're near impossible to beat when he plays that way. I mean, we saw Damon CJ had 75 combined and we still lost by 12. I think a lot of that, you got to tip your hat to Draymond green because he was their ultimate X factor um, on Sunday.
0: So is uh, Draymond Olga's least favorite player in the game?
1: Yeah. She says, I I, I saw uh, some tweets. If Kobe was still playing it would be between Kobe and Draymond, but right now it's easily Draymond.
0: Is it, is he your least favorite as well?
1: Um, I really hate all the Warriors pretty equally right now, but yeah, he's definitely up there. He's just, especially when he was like karate kicking people and like potentially injuring people, um, the nut shots. I just, I don't, I don't mess with that. If you're going to talk trash, that's fine. But what really bothered me about the Warriors and it stems back to last year, right after the all-star break, Dame put up 51. We ran him out of the gym. We were having fun with it. They took a lot of offense to that, but this is also a team that's shooting threes, turning around mid, mid, mid shot. You know, stunting, high-fiving each other, um, celebrating. If you can dish it out, you should be able to take it. That's my philosophy. I don't think they can take it. That's why I was so happy the Cavaliers knocked them off in historical fashion. And while I'll root for nearly anybody to beat this Warriors team, just because they're just so dang annoying.
0: So who are your your least favorite players, Sarah?
2: pretty much everybody on that team (laughs) Kevin Durant's long arms just oh they're just everywhere the way he comes in and gets those dunks and just oh looking at Clay Thompson and uh Steph Curry's smug faces after they score when I was I was buying my tickets to the playoff game and I The way that the ticket seating was working, you had to just like take like whatever they gave you. If you didn't like it, you had to be like find a new seat or whatever. And I kept refreshing, refreshing because they kept giving me like seats where I would be looking across at their bench, and I was like, I don't want to look at them. I don't want to look at them at all. So it took me forever to buy a ticket. But yeah, I don't, I don't like anything about that team. And if you guys continue to not like them after this year, you should join me. Uh this year I took a pledge not to say the name of that team because as soon as they added Durant, I was like, they don't need me talking about them. They do not need m- me giving them any power by saying their name out loud. So I actually took a pledge and every time I screwed up and said their name, I owe $5 to Girls Inc. Pacific Northwest. So I'm up to like $105 so far over the entire season. But it's gotten a lot harder lately. <laughs> you have a
0: podcast that you talk about the Blazers and they're in a the series with the team in the Bay area. That's props to you for only saying it that amount of times.
2: So <laughs> I said I
1: it twice on the last time. Case. Case.
0: I, you know what? Math is in my strong suit. So I, I, just, I just had to prove it out there. And saying, I, saw
1: you, I saw the wheels churning.
0: <laughs> well, that's why I totally have avoided saying the math part, but you know, whatever.
2: I have, I have a few little tricks. I, I usually just call them the team from the Bay Area or I call them the gilded staple whackers or I have other variations. So join me next year if you want to and choose your favorite charity and give the money to them.
1: <laughs> um, what playoff game did you buy tickets to?
2: I bought one ticket to each one. Usually my husband goes with me, but he's out of town for the weekend on a mountain biking trip. So I'm like, well, I'll just have to go to both games and I'll just go by myself. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I bought tickets to three, four and six, you know, six. If it doesn't happen, I get refunded. But I want to if it's going to be a game six, it's going to be one of the hardest tickets to get. So get it now instead of, you know, trying to play catch up later. Uh, if Portland plays the way they did in game one, it gives me hope there might be a game six. I know Nurkic isn't going to play in game two. But just the way things are going, you almost feel like he has to return for a Game 3 um, in front of the home crowd. Uh, are you, either of you picking up on that vibe at all?
2: Absolutely. I mean, that's what I think. I think that he's coming back Game 3 or 4, and I've thought that all along. I was like, there, why bother... You know, why put him out there games one and two and risk it when we could get a whole extra like eight days of rest for him and bring him back at home and like just lift the crowd in that manner and lift the whole team. Plus, goes back to gamesmanship. That team doesn't know what we're going to do if we don't have Nurkic. So they got a plan and they don't quite know what we're going to do. So that's one more of those little you got to take every trick in the book that you can get.
0: That's some WWE shit right there. I wasn't even thinking that. Now, now I just have like imagery of Nurk walking walking out onto the court with like the smoke machine and just with like the Undertaker theme going on. The
1: Undertaker music, yeah.
2: (laughs) I was thinking more um, like Kevin Duckworth when he came back from his broken hand against the Spurs. I can't remember. I don't know what series it was, but I just remember that was so awesome. I knew you would know.
1: Yeah, I mean, Game Seven, nineteen ninety. Western Conference semifinals. So, yeah,
2: it's going to be just like that. So what wh- What do you
0: have trouble remembering in your normal life? Because you remember when Kevin Duckworth came
1: back from a broken hand. I don't know. Yeah, like, what? What? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I just know what I know. So I don't know what I'm missing out on.
2: I but knew I'll you were going to know that,
1: too. I'll take this over, you know, quantum physics. You know, who needs that? <laughs> All right, so we've pretty much broke down game one. Portland needs more than just Damon CJ. They have to find a way to silence one of the three three scores for the Golden State Warriors, like they did with Clay Thompson, but find a way to limit Draymond Green's overall effectiveness. You have to take away something from him. Going into game two, what are you guys looking for, and what do the Trailblazers need to have happen to? Keep this one closer and give themselves a real legitimate shot at knocking off, you know, Golden State and, and pulling off a, a probably the upset of the year.
0: Do you know how much Noah Vonleh was on Draymond Green last game?
1: I mean, Noah played twenty three minutes, Draymond played thirty seven. Um, when I was watching, he was pretty matched up with him, except when we switched on any anything that they did, uh any movement out the top of the key, but I don't have an exact percentage.
0: I wanna see what Aminu can do on KD and uh Vonley can do on Draymond and let the center play against like a small forward. I think that uh Noah has a pretty decent chance at bodying up Draymond and Chief loves the challenge of a elite score. He plays so much harder against the Carmelo Anthonys, the the Kawhi Leonard's, I would just Paul see George. what Paul George, definitely. What he can do against KD, the, the the unicorn of the elite scorer. So I I would like to see what those two guys can do against those elite bigs.
1: I think it'll be interesting to see which lineup Stotts trots out again. Does he go with Dame CJ, um, Turner, and Harkless at the forwards, and then Von Le at the center position? Because with that lineup, you do lose your overall best defender in Aminu, but you're able to switch everything and really not get cooked unless Durant gets matched up on one of your guards. Uh, I thought Evan Turner's defense was pretty good, especially when he is able to switch. Um, Harkless, we know he can guard KD. He can guard one through five on that Warriors roster. But what really gave Portland a chance, I thought, was CJ's defense. Um, I was rereading the message boards after the game, watching it live and outside of him getting 41, people were commenting on how much passion he played on that, that end of the court, how much effort he put into it. And he is such a student of the game. He's one of the most intelligent basketball players in the league, especially on the trailblazers. So he knows what a guy is going to do likely before he even does it. And especially in a seven game series, when you have all this time to prep, you have the last two games up. off for rest in the regular season and you're seeing the same opponent you're going to start to pick up on some certain traits and trends and that's what he's doing and if he can really limit any person he gets matched up on that's going to give Stotts so much more flexibility and versatility on the defensive end that we can try to do a couple more things because all of a sudden Terry and the coaching staff can say we're okay with CJ on an island against Steph or Clay. Let's try something else to keep the ball out of Draymond, um, Draymond's hands or maybe send an extra defender over to box him out. Or let's, you know, send a double to KD. There's just so many more things you can do when one player locks it down. Like we've seen Aminu do it. Obviously, we see Kawhi do it. We see Gobert. We see Draymond do it for other um, opponents. But if Portland, and I'm not saying McCollum is going to turn into this all-world defender, but just in spots, if he's able to hold his own. It's just like in football when you can leave those cornerbacks on an island, you're you're opening your playbook up so much more to send those blitzes to just do whatever you want to do. So that's going to be arguably the biggest key for me.
0: I was gonna make a joke about the Saints having bad corners, but I, I yeah. you
1: know,
0: give me a challenge. Um.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I want to actually ask you guys some of some of the specifics if you remember. From the game of things that CJ did like I noticed that he had a lot of rebounds for for him. He had like eight rebounds or something for him. And I don't know, was he jumping higher? Was he reaching farther? Like, what was he doing? And why hasn't he been doing it? I mean, like, what do you think? What made the difference? Was it just purely the, you know, amping amping up this is his playoffs now? Or do you think something clicked with him that he wasn't doing before?
1: I think it's a combination of everything. I mean, one, you look, there's no true center out there. Um, Myers' play, Myers are only seven-footer available, only plays seven minutes. There's no Nurkic. Obviously, there's no Plumlee. So those rebounds have to go somewhere. Vonley, I think, does a nice job of boxing out his man. I think the Blazers under Stotts, especially since we got Robin Lopez, have told their bigs to do a great job of boxing them out and our guards have to come in and swoop. So I think it was a concerted effort on Terry's you know, agenda guard, you need to help us rebound. And we saw Dame grabbed five, Evan had 10 and CJ had eight. So they were just, I think you hit the nail on the head, playoff atmosphere. They know they had to just make an extra effort to get that ball. Um, As I mentioned, CJ is extremely smart. So when he sees the ball go up, he has a a better than, you know, average person's chance of knowing where that ball is going to come off. Um, I do need to go back and rewatch game one. I have seen it once, but again, like to pick up those things, like, why did CJ have those rebounds? Um, Those are answers that we'll find out in multiple watchings of the game, but just off the top of my head from what I remember, it was just small lineup. You've got a lot of, also the Warriors have a small lineup too, and there's just, when they shoot a lot of jump shots, the ball's going to go off in, in a lot of places. So it'll be interesting to see was it just pure luck that CJ was in the right place at the right time, or does he have a similar rebounding output in game two. That means, to me, he's doing more of the studying. He's he's boxing out a little bit better if he, can, if he can replicate that. I think for Portland, if they are going to win this game, I mean, I'm looking at the, the team stats and everything's pretty aligned, evened up. Like, rebounds were all right. I know they were plus seven, but we were plus two on the offensive glass. The blocks, 10-3, that's going to happen without Nurkic in the game turnovers were basically even and we even outscored them in the paint by two but there's two things and i, I we're never going to win the assist battle with the warriors they have too many shooters they have too many creators um so when steph drives and he's got four or five options you know just to kick the ball out too if dame drives he's got cj and then you know your guess is as good as mine who else is going to shoot that shot so we're never going to win that assist battle i'm fully aware of that and it's going to take a lot of probably Damon CJ just going to work for us to steal a game they are they um had 26 assists to our 15 but I thought the most key stat in the in determining the outcome of game one was fast break points and points off turnovers Golden State was plus 14 on the break and they were plus nine in the turnover category points off turnovers a road underdog can never give up that many points off, off turnovers. Um, not only are you igniting the crowd, but you're giving them easy buckets, something that an elite offensive team doesn't need. And then the points on the fast break, we have to slow the game down a little bit. Um, I know you're not going to hold the Warriors in check, but you've got to try to get them more in that 113, 114 range, 120 to outscore them. That's going to be tough. And we saw Damon CJ had 75. and we only, we, only, we only end up with, with 109. So Portland's got to do a little bit better job of taking care of that basketball and getting back on the break. So it might have to be a, a pick your poison for Terry Stotts. Do you crash the offensive glass and give up the the, the real chance that you're going to get beat on the break? Or do you really um, pull back and say, hey, we're going to try to stop their transition at all costs and you're going to really limit your second chance points. So it's a very unenviable, um, point to be in if you're Coach Terry Stotts, and I honestly don't have the correct answer. It's going to have to be probably by feel, but if you look back, or if we're doing this podcast again going into Game 3, we look back at the Game 2 box score, I think that those two stats are going to tell the tell the tape. Points off turnovers, fast break points. Portland has to do better in both categories if they want a chance to win.
2: Well, I want to go back to the assists because I know we're not going to get as many assists as the Gilded Staplewhackers, but we scored—we we had five less than we usually do. So I still think we could get—I I still think that number is a problem because we were significantly under what our average was. I think we averaged a little over 20 and we had 15, and I would personally like to see those assists go to crab and— you know, he, he needs to keep shooting because we know he can shoot and we know he has spells where he gets off, but then, you know, he rewards us if we, if they keep handing him the, giving him the ball. So I'm expecting to see more of Damon CJ driving and kicking out, kicking it out to Crab And he needs, and I would like to see him take more of those shots to give us more assists.
1: Yeah. I think that, that is the one way we will get assists. Um, if we had Nurkic, I would say, yeah, we might have a chance to beat them assists because pick and roll with Nurk against that interior, uh, that's that's money hand over fist, but you nailed it. It's going to have to come off the drive and kick, and we may have to live with Evan Turner and Aminu shooting. I don't know if they're going to leave Crab open. I hope they do, but those drive and kicks off the threes, those are going to be our bread and butter, and if we do get over 20 assists, we might have a chance to pull it out because that does mean we are hitting those threes off of off of penetration. What were you going to say, Sage?
0: The reason we had less assists was because CJ was just absolutely on fuego in the first half. and he I was t- wondering that, too. Yeah, because he, he was... The best option when he was that hot was for him to shoot it. So I, I, I think the assists will get back to average because CJ probably won't be that hot this series again. So it might it might it, it might go back to the normal assist numbers, but CJ was just, it was a disservice to the team if he passed it when he was just hitting outrageous shots.
1: Exactly. And if he's that hot, don't pass the ball. No. Go to work.
0: Yeah. Just, just, just win it for us, man.
2: <laughs> yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out like what, which way they were going. Like, were they going with Damon, CJ, especially CJ in the first half because like they have the hot hand just keep going or was it just a fact that those were the only guys who could get their own shots and they just couldn't get to Crab in those open spots where he could do a catch and shoot? I was really puzzled. I couldn't figure out which way it was.
0: I think it's a little it A and B right there. But... It's always A and B, isn't
2: yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like cut and dry one thing or the other. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it also didn't look like we were running a ton of plays or a ton of sets for Crab. It was Dame and CJ go to work. Spread the floor, maybe do a little bit of a pick and roll. brings Maybe you can get the bigger defender switch on you and, you know, either get to the basket for a free throw or step back for the three. But those guys were cooking and you have to roll with your hot hands. Those two getting 75 is probably our best bet at, at pulling off an upset. But it'll be interesting to see. That's what's so beautiful about seven game series. It's a game of chess. One game, it's Damon CJ getting 75. Maybe the next game, it's seven Trailblazers and double figures. Whatever the formula is to get a victory, sign me up. I'll take whatever it takes.
2: Just got to outscore them.
1: That's all you got to do. You just got to (laughs) outscore the Warriors. I mean, that's that's easy, right?
2: (laughs) 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 Oh, man.
0: I mean, they're the most talented team in recent history. We got to have some spectacular performances to steal one.
2: Wait, can I ask a question about whether or not you guys think... Do you guys think that they are better than the Spurs? No.
1: The, the, Golden State?
2: Yes, like, the team like, from the Bay Area. Do you think they're better than the Spurs? Oh,
1: yeah. I yeah. think if they play the Spurs, they probably take them in four or five. I, I still lead. hear
2: people talking about how great the Spurs are.
1: I, well, see, I, I think if, it, we the, awesome. if we played the Spurs, even, I would say, my even in my homerism, I would say Blazers in six. <laughs> Legit believe Blazers in six.
2: <sighs>
0: okay. Yeah.
1: I think the Rockets I, I have just, the only
0: chance to beat the, the 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 Golden State team.
1: I think it's the Cavs. The Cavs have the have the best chance of beating them.
0: And I hate the Rockets. So I mean, everyone knows my hatred for Eric Gordon. I think <laughs> they have the best chance.
1: Well, I think for all all fans watching this series, this isn't a traditional 1-8 series, especially if Portland was playing with with Nurkic. I mean, we had the best record over the last, what, 22, 23 games, and that's with Nurk even missing a handful of games there. This, to me, feels more like if Nurk was playing a Western, a potential Western Conference Finals match, because with the big fella, I don't see anybody out West who really can beat us in seven games. So how, how we play in this series, with or without Nurkic, I think is so important for the future progression of this squad, with the core as it is intact, and the moves that Olshay will make come the summer. So I think if you're a fan of this this team, I know we want to win this series. I know we want to win a couple games. But I think we need to watch the game with eyes beyond just tomorrow's box score. It's got to be, okay, what can we do that we take in the next year? After game one, I can already tell you Dame and CJ are superstar level players. Dame's there. I think CJ you know, announced his superstardom on Sunday. Guys just don't get 41 against that team, and you're not that good of a player. He was most improved for a reason. He has made strides every single year. I think if his defense continues to improve, then those Dumars-Thomas comparisons of, yeah, they won a championship, that can work. That starts to come back into the conversation. It wasn't prior because neither was a strong defender. But I think with Nurkic in the fold, it allows them to take a little bit off their shoulders offensively, focus more energy on defense, and the future is just so bright that if we can just get the big guy healthy and continue to play competitive basketball, I honestly don't even care if we get swept. If we continue to play, if we have four games like the game once, I'll take that. And I think any fan would take that, too, because we're playing this warrior team about as tough as anybody else has. and. I'm pretty certain a lot of the fans didn't expect it to go 88 88 going into the fourth quarter without without Nurkic.
2: Were you guys watching um, Twitter during the game and seeing like the nationally how much people were enjoying the game? That was that was somewhat rewarding.
1: <laughs> and it was also the highest rated game of the weekend, or in a long time, I think. Uh, NBA PR uh, tweeted that out, but. You know, Nurkic isn't the only injury news. Kevin Durant injured that calf and is questionable for game two. If you were Steve Kerr, what would you do?
2: He's fine. Yeah, I'd rest him, but he's fine.
1: I, I personally would rest him too, given the fact that he's already been injured once this year. He has injury. Um, he hasn't injured past the legs. I mean, he is a very long... Um, really wiry forward and to be perfectly honest they shouldn't need kevin durant to beat the blazers in a seven game series they're already gonna be heavily favored to win every game up until the finals um if portland goes in there and shocks them i don't think it would be the end of the world i, I would rather kd be 100 percent healthy than than win with him being hurt because they're going to need him to beat any team they they want to get to the the, the cavaliers they are going to need him against lebron and company but with that said you're right i bet he probably does play and to be honest uh, i i do want him to play i want to beat them at 100 i i don't mind if if we're hurt but let's let's beat the best when they're at their best and that would make it that much more sweet
2: i think it's half-hearted gamesmanship on the part of the team from the bay area they're like okay well we might not have kevin durant see how you can plan for that (laughs)
1: I don't think Stotts is losing any sleep at night over that. He he, no. he fully probably. But yeah, he said it's half-hearted. He fully understands that KD is, is probably going to play. And um, he'll make a big difference. He'll have a big impact. Sage, outside of Damon CJ, who is your X-Factor for the Trailblazers and for the Warriors? Tomorrow night's game. Mm.
0: I mean, I, I think it's the heartbeat of the Warriors. Uh, Draymond Green would be the X-Factor. And then how we defend them is going to be the X-Factor for us.
1: Tara?
2: What do you mean by X-Factor? Do you mean like su- like the surprise person who's going to surprise us with outstanding play? Or is going to be just like the key to either team's performance?
1: Most likely the key, but it can be interpreted
2: however you feel. So it would probably be Ian Clark. Future
1: blazer, <laughs> future
2: blazer. Oh yeah, you think?
0: I love Vian Spe- Clark.
2: Speaking of that, you know it would be really nice to have sitting on the bench right now. Festus Azzilli. It would be really nice to be hearing from him. A few uh, tips, like especially like sitting next to Noah Vonleh, saying, "Hey, here's how." Well, I guess he didn't play with Zaza, but still, you know, I feel like he could have some insight that he could be giving us right now about how those guys play. Yeah,
0: but he can, anyway, he can break down the Ron Adams defense for us.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm, I think Evan Turner is going to be really big for the whole series. I think he's the other veteran that we have right now. And I think he's going to show it. And so I think he's going to come up as the, the trailblazers X factor.
1: And so I, we, we've we already touched on it. it. It's Alan Crabb for me. Uh, our record when he shoots the ball, I think 10 plus times is astronomically better than when he does not he is—he has to be the third scorer because he is the best of our, our role players. It's Dame CJ, and I think Alan Crabb is our third best player when Nurk when is injured. And he is an absolute assassin from downtown that if he can get hot, he can match those Warrior shooters. And he also spreads that floor. So they're not able to just collapse on our two superstars. So AC has to get 15 plus points. He has to play like he did last year against the Warriors. Um, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because he came out of the gates pretty slow against the Clippers in those first two games, especially down in his hometown of Los Angeles. Um, So I think it's just going to take him a little bit to get into his rhythm, but hopefully it starts in game two and not into game three. Uh, For the Warriors, you stole my answer. It is Ian Clark. For whatever reason, the dude only knows how to play basketball when he sees the Trailblazers um, as the opponent. Um, ESPN had a crazy stat that I don't even remember, but I saw it come on the screen and I was like, of course, of <laughs> course he shoots like 80% against the Blazers. He is, uh, just a nightmare and he played 12 minutes, had 12 points. We need to quiet him. Um, I, we did a fantastic job against Sean Livingston who only had two points. So it's going to be keeping those two guards quiet because their are bench has to outperform their bench. We know their starters are going to put up crazy statistics. But if we can get some nice rule production, it's going to let Portland creep around. Maybe they have a shot to steal it. Sage, do the Blazers have a chance to win this one? Will they? Or are you going to stick with the Warriors taking home game two? I am going
0: with the uh, Warriors to get game two. How I'm... close
1: do you think it's going to be?
0: Eight points? Let's go with They're eight. pretty
1: simil- yeah. similar as last game?
0: Yeah. What about you?
2: I'll let terror okay. handle this one first.
0: Sorry.
2: Well, based on absolutely nothing but how I'm feeling in this moment, I feel like the Blazers are not going to steal game two. And I feel like it's going to be sort of the opposite of this last game, where it's actually going to be a bigger deficit for most of the game. And then we'll kind of close it towards the end. But then I think we're going to come back. And remember, we got to get them into a 3-1 hole so that we can come back. I like it. I don't know if you guys have a moratorium on that. We we still do not have a moratorium on 3-1 lead jokes on our podcast. We're still wide open. No, that will never die.
1: (laughs) I I love warrior jokes. Um, (laughs) Part of the reason I bought a ticket for the playoffs is so a warrior fan would not take my seat. (laughs) Um, Fully aware that the the likelihood of seeing a victory is a little low, but I'm not going to give it up to um, a bandwagon fan. Game two, going to be tough. Uh, I think they they maybe feel like they've taken our best punch, so especially without Nurkic. So there's thought that they might let up a bit. Durant, who knows how well he's going to play. I will say, I don't think Klay Thompson plays as bad as he does in Game 2. And I don't think Draymond Green plays as well as he did in Game 1. Those, that's probably going to even out. I think we're still going to have to score over 120 points to beat this team. I, I think it's probably close to game one. I think we're going to keep it keep it pretty close. Golden State probably pulls away. I think it's another 10-point victory probably, but definitely some confidence going into game three, especially if we can get the Bosnian Bear back. If Portland is to steal it, though, Damon CJ, 75? Nah, it's got to be 85 combined points <laughs> between those two. They're really going to have to go berserk. I mean, that's just what it's going to have to take without Nurkic. And the, the the scary thing is they are capable of doing that. So the biggest thing I'm going to watch is Golden State. How do they adjust to those guards? And what does Terry Sots do to counter it to get his to get his best players open shots? So overall, I still think we're in for a great series. Can't wait to watch Game Two tomorrow. Any final thoughts about about Game Two? I mean, what do you guys? Um, Are there any oh, I think we actually do have a, a fan question. So h- before I hold on that, and it's something we haven't discussed and something I know Tara loves to talk about on Twitter. So <laughs> we we got a question chaos? from yes, <laughs> Marissa um Brotherton and the tee this one up to you first, Tara. Do you think Al-Faruq Al- right. Aminu will be given any opportunities to cause chaos in game two or will he be instructed to give up the ball immediately?
2: <laughs> okay. So the backstory with that one is that I love chaos. I'm so my podcast partner, Joe loves a beautifully executed play. And I love it when everything falls apart and somebody somehow somebody manages to pull, you know, a success out of it. And that having been said, Aminu dribble drives are a lot of times one of my favorite things because they often end in chaos. But then somebody but then he's able to pull it out in some sort of miraculous way. And I think part of that is because everybody's standing around watching it going, oh, my gosh, what is he doing? And then he manages to, you know, figure it out. I think at this point, though, he had several. It was not work. It's not working for him. That's the thing is like he needs to he he, and he tends to know like. He, he'll do like a couple extra chaotic drives more than he should, but then he'll usually pull it back. And like, you can see he's like collecting the rebound under the basket and he's ready to head up the court. And then he's like, no, I got to give this to Dame and he passes it over to Dame. So I think it being the playoffs, I think we're going to see him more doing what the coaches probably want him to do, which is you get that ball, you give it to Dame and you get down on there on defense. And that makes a lot of sense to me. But I just I do enjoy the chaos because a lot of times it does work out in our favor, and you know that's just what's fun to me. I don't think a play
1: in blazer basketball stresses me out more than a meeting with the ball in the open court. <laughs> <laughs> I literally yell, "Pass the ball! Pass the ball! Pass the ball!" Like I'll be in my seat, just like just yelling to nobody, just please pass. <laughs> just just rocking back and forth. I do
0: the
2: snappy because, things.
1: I, I did the I think
2: you guys are in the majority on that one. I think I'm one of, you know, maybe two or three people in town who enjoys the thrill and the, you know, just the experience of like, you know, getting on a roller coaster and going, here we go. <laughs> I actually, when Aminu shoots the basketball, I'll, I'll say to my
1: wife, you know, are you ready for the Al Aminu experience? Because you never know what's going to happen. His shot variance, I've never seen a player it, be so wide. Like, it'll be a perfect swish or he will completely miss the rim. I mean, and he's got a decent form. It's just like you said, it is a roller coaster. It's like a, you know, like what Forrest Gump said, it's like a box of chocolates. You really never know what you're going to get with Aminu. You know,
0: I I mean, he is who he is. He's been the same guy. He's very chaotic. And, uh, I'm not a fan of it. I've I've watched him for a few years. I'm good. He can, he can just do a nice little outlet pass a Dame who can actually handle the ball. I mean, we don't, I don't need that for my for my heart. I mean I, I, I just don't <laughs> like it.
1: But Portland may need a little chaos if they are to pull off the upset in game 2.
0: Well, limit the chaos then. I don't, I don't need it oh so often. This once once I I think i can take it. I mean, it, it's just rough watching it
2: oh yeah it it, it i'm not uh, disagreeing <laughs> with that at all it just happens to be one of the things that i that i enjoy but the other thing about it is like the other team doesn't know what's going to happen either so they're all standing around watching like what's happening and they don't know where to go nobody knows what's going to happen except for amenu <laughs> nah,
0: I, I don't even think he knows what's happening he <laughs> just he's just living in the moment but i, I mean there is some certainty he's either going to make it or it's going to be a really easy basket for the opposing team. So, so or
2: he can go bubble out of it and then dive to the ground and then accidentally kick it out to somebody who grabs it surprisingly and like, you know,
0: like I don't think, I, I don't think I don't think our team is that talented for that sequence of events to happen. I, I just
2: I think during the playoffs though he needs to give it to Dame. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So before we sign off, Terry, you mentioned you watched a lot of basketball this opening
2: weekend. Um, what stood out to you of all the series you've seen? I can't believe how Houston dismantled Oklahoma City. That was kind of thrilling. <laughs> and I I really am finding myself really surprised to say that. But um, that I thought that was uh, pretty exciting. Um, I was glad I was glad for Houston because. I don't know. I mean, I usually am not a fan of them, but I kind of appreciate the way they went this year. They're like, we're just this is our plan and we're going to stick to it and we're going to just, you know, we're not going to vary from it. And it worked for them. So and I was kind of I was surprised that it was really such a um, such a defeat of OKC. Sage, but I, know you guys, you, I know you
1: had your, your finger on the pulse of the playoffs. What did you notice?
0: I really, you? I really enjoyed the Jazz Clippers series, and I gotta give you credit for predicting the Bulls-Celtics. Uh, I, I gotta give you props. You were right. I mean, I, I was still wrong.
1: picked the Celtics to win, but, but I, I didn't... So, obviously, I didn't... At the time of the recording, I didn't know Isaiah Thomas' sister would have passed away in that car accident, which I think has sucked all of all of their mojo, all of their energy um, that t- teams are a brotherhood. So when one guy has that much um, of an impact and it, it's felt, it's not just felt through him, it's felt through the entire organization and you can kind of tell that they're just not playing with that same, that same passion, that same energy. And, and rightfully so. So I obviously that couldn't have happened, you know, at a worse time for the Thomas family for, I mean, nobody ever wants to lose a life. And that can, that's always a poor time, but in in a sports sense, which we're talking here, um, just a really, you know, just un, unopportune time. And but also give credit to the Chicago Bulls; they've they're like a roller coaster team. You you don't know what you're going to get. They've played in streaks, both positive and negatively, all year long. Um, they're actually looking like the team on paper when they made that move, um, in the offseason to bring Robin Lopez. I think he has completely outshined the Celtics big money acquisition in Al Horford. And these were all of the problems that a lot of pundits had with the Celtics last year. Isaiah Thomas has no help. They don't really have a lot of other options outside of Thomas. And in the seven game series, he is, you know, you you can really key in on him and his size does play um, a factor in, in that seven game series. So um, I still think the Celtics might find a way to pull it out, but The Bulls are just, I mean, they still have Jimmy Butler. I mean, Dwayne Wade's been there, done that. And And Rondo Rondo Rondo
0: looks like a legit player right now.
1: And Bobby Portis. I wanted to draft him. I was totally fine with Rondé Jefferson, But Portis got picked a couple of uh, spots ahead. Glad he's finally getting his opportunity because he is a nice stretch four. And, you know, if they keep playing the way they do, I mean, the East is going to get shook. We already saw Milwaukee, you know, just storm into Toronto take game one probably should have won game two. Um, so the East looks looks pretty shook right now. Um, really lining up if you're a Cavs fan to make that easy run to the finals as they normally do. But at um, West, I thought everything was status quo. Really sad to see uh, Gobert go down 10 seconds into his first matchup, but they still pulled it out with with Joe Johnson. I know I'll give Evan some credit for calling that signing. I still think the jazz are a little trash and we're going to house them next year with a healthy nurk, but that's neither here nor there. Um, But if you're a Clipper fan, Gobert didn't play tonight and they struggled. I mean that, that game was never um, signed sealed and delivered until the final minute. So they got to go to Salt Lake city for games three and game four. That could be an upset. But other than that, um, just really enjoyed the games. I think they need to just fast forward. Spurs Grizzlies. Nobody's got time for that. Can I I love Dave Fisdale, though. That oh, was I do. I did. love that rant. That, rant was that series, not so much, though. I'm going to say
0: something unpopular to Portland fans. I still love watching Chris Paul play as the point guard. I still love it. I mean,
1: I, everyone... I he drives the ball in the open court, and he kicks back like he's a horse. Oh, I yeah, he, he, I used he, to love he, that. I but used... he did it to Anthony Davis. Yeah, I know, that's, so that's, you that's, you I, were livid. I,
0: I remember what he did to Yao Ming against the Rockets, and he just looked in so much pain. This was the beginning of the end for uh Yao Ming, but I love Anthony Davis. Everyone knows I love Anthony Davis. I don't think he'll ever replace CP3 in my heart. So, yeah, watching CP just run the point like a meg, Just like, the he was the best point guard in the league for a few, ever.
1: Ah. Yeah. He, hey Sage, I know. How many times has Chris Paul made it out of the second round? Just, just fuck your Oh man,
0: <laughs> I still love you, Chris.
2: I really thought at the beginning of the year, I thought this was the season for the Clippers. I thought, I thought this was the season that they were going to take it to the conference finals. I don't know that they're completely out of it yet. I thought they looked way better tonight than they did uh, in the first game. I thought they don't really look particularly in sync as a team, but I thought by the second half of it, they'd seem to be more hitting it in stride. Uh, but I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of enjoy watching just the, the Chris Paul, like just, the bile <laughs> when he plays he's just so mad at everybody and i know that he's like a really smart like good guy but on the court just like the intensity with which asshole. he plays
0: he's an asshole is
2: incredible and then he just kind of plays with these guys who just like can never quite do the right thing and it's just sort of a little soap opera that plays out every game that i find kind of enjoyable to watch
1: <laughs> yeah this is definitely make or break year for for the clips and if they get past the Jazz, they likely have the Warriors. I I don't think they make it to the conference mm. finals, and now they're facing decisions. Do they stay stuck in second oh, round?
2: Got, yeah, they got a yeah. big offseason. <laughs> uh,
1: JJ Redick, I think, is a free agent, and you know their guys are getting old. They are the opposite of the Blazers. They are a very old, grizzled veteran team. Even Blake Griffin doesn't really look. I mean, Blake, people forget Blake Griffin's had a ton of injuries. I mean, DeAndre's really the only one who's been able to to stay to stay healthy and he I think is really reliant on on Chris Paul because he creates so many opportunities for him so it's going to be interesting to see how that series plays out um with or without Gobert because they struggled without Gobert in there now and um when Rudy gets back you know outside of you know I'm very biased outside of the the Rose Garden the Portland home court advantage in the playoffs Utah might be the toughest venue to go in and steal a victory um, and they're going to have to do it tied 1-1. They're a veteran team. They've won on the road before, but they really put themselves up against uh, up against the wall after losing that that opener to that Joe Johnson floater, which the end of the game, that was fantastic basketball.
0: <laughs> I know Evan's out there somewhere
2: smiling. So you mentioned him <laughs> Did he call name. that? I don't think I've listened to your last episode. No, he does. Yeah.
0: He didn't. But in the beginning of the year, he made like this big deal about... Joe Johnson getting oh. signed and Dustin and I rightfully trashed him for it, but he's coming up with big moments, so shout out to him. Yeah,
1: we'll see what else he does. I mean, he's got to have more than just that moment. He can't just start going like two for seven. Like, he's got to play consistent basketball for me to fully hop on that apology wagon. Just a, <laughs> that, was a, that was a minor, you know.
2: That's what's so great about the game. Like, that's what you love about it. Like, you every night, anything can happen. You know, one of these nights, it could be Aminu with the game winner. I mean, you just never know. Whoever had the ball in their hand, you know, you never know what's going to, you know, Pat Connaughton had that and one at the end of the third. Like, who knew that that was going to happen? Like, you know, that kept me happy for a good 20 minutes after that.
1: I mean, only time will tell what will happen. Game two, tomorrow night, Wednesday, April 19th. 7:30 PM on TNT. Tune in. Let's do our best. That's all I'm asking for in this series. It's it's not about wins or losses. Yes, I will do anything for a victory, but I just want to see this team compete, hold their own against one of the greatest assembles, you know, of talent that we've really seen in, in quite some time. And if we can do that, the future looks bright in Rip City. Uh, Tara, thank you again for joining us on this podcast once again. Let our listeners know um, where they can find you on social and a little bit more information on the next Blazers what um, meetup.
2: Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, guys. It was really fun to talk basketball with you. I'm on Twitter at TCB Biggs. and Women's Hops and Talks is having our final season meetup on Wednesday, the 19th to watch game two together. We're going to be at McMinimums on Broadway. Uh, 7.30 tip-off is when we will get started. We have a uh, basketball that was signed by Damian Lillard that we're going to give away. We haven't quite figured out how we're going to give it away, but we're going to have a little giveaway for that. And then there's also been some talks. Some of the ladies thought it might be fun to have a draft party on draft day and play some draft day bingo. So we may be uh, doing that later. So people can follow Blazers What on Facebook, too. So we have a Facebook group. If you just go to Facebook and put in Blazers What, W-H-A-T, you can find it and uh, like that page. And um, as we put together events, they'll show up there.
0: Tara's an elite uh, person to talk to when you want to rant about basketball like I do weekly. <laughs> I, I mean, I almost talked to her about basketball as much as you, Dustin. So she's definitely, <laughs> that's, she's a she's That's a great,
1: elite company. Yeah, I mean.
2: I haven't had the full Aaron Gordon story yet, though. Oh. I feel like that's coming. <laughs>
1: Uh, no, no, Aaron Eric, Gordon's okay It's, Eric, it's Aaron Gordon. Eric, Eric Gordon
2: Oh, it's the wrong Gordon I actually had to make a table th- with the two of them in it And compare them for myself So I could tell them apart Because I can't ever keep them
0: One dunks well and it plays like a meaner One's a pudding faced face <laughs> asshole
1: Oh,
2: well we'll have to explore that another
1: <laughs> the, the, the pettiness is off the charts right now At 11.21 So I think that means it's about time To probably sign off here but uh for all of our listeners out there please uh check us out on itunes uh subscribe give us that five star rating leave us a comment uh we love to hear from you we're also on stitcher soundcloud and google play at holy backboard pdx and you can find us on instagram facebook and twitter at holy backboard we uh chat with our fans interact with you guys uh during every game day and let's hope there's good good times tomorrow night. Um, I've got a good feeling the game's going to be another you know must see TV. Let's see what our boys have in store for you know the dubs. Wherever
0: you may be, this is Bill Shineley. Good
2: night, everybody.
0: Let's go.